0: Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.
1: Welcome to the fifth episode of the Pulling Tarp Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. You can find me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn, that's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. I'm very excited to welcome on a very special guest. He's back in the Midwest League as the voice of the Clinton Lumber Kings. He's also spent time with the Matsu Miners of the Alaska League Baseball League the Rochester Honkers of the Northwoods League, the Cedar Rapids Colonels, the Burlington Bees, and the Orem Owls. Welcome on, Michael Bruskowski. We'll be right back with Michael after this break. Hey, Michael, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. How is the preparation going for the season there in Clinton?
0: Hey, Bobby, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you again. Uh, yeah, the season, I think, what, 30, 35 days away, something like that. Uh, it's it's uh, starting to go a little quicker now, especially when your to-do list keeps getting bigger. Right. But uh And yeah, it's, it's an exciting time, and, you know, the hours start getting longer. I just left the ballpark, you know, about 7 o'clock tonight, so um yeah the days are getting longer and the season's uh, you know starting to creep around the corner but it's always an exciting time of the year even though you're getting swamped and i think you're just trying to get all the stuff done wrapping up sales and finishing all the the print work and stuff like that with program and everything so uh it's a lot of stuff and it's like about having like five or six in design tabs open on your computer <laughs> while also working the phone doing sales so a okay. uh, hectic time but an exciting time so i can't wait
1: yeah, it's uh, starting to get pretty warm here, too. Um, here in Delaware, it got up over 70 degrees today. So, you know, baseball's right around the corner. Um, I don't miss staying at the ballpark uh, during this time of year. <laughs> I left work at exactly like 10 after 5 today. So that was nice. Um, how does it feel to be back in the Midwest League after spending two seasons in the Pioneer League with Orem?
0: it's great to be back in the midwest league you know, first four years of pro ball and i guess it's like five years of my intern year in cedar rapids so uh, a league i love and a league i grew up going to growing up in the beloit area so uh, it's awesome to be back and uh, a lot of the same faces in terms of the broadcasting and media relation people in the west division and east division are the same so uh it's going to be fun to see them again and uh it's also back nice to be back in full season i love my time in orem and i love the pioneer league it, rookie ball is a little bit of a different animal so uh, you know 76 game schedule and it goes really quick and you're kind of in a in a situation at the end of the year where you're excited it's the off season but you're like oh that was it and you want a little more so right. uh, it's, it's cool to be back in, in the midwest league and uh, especially the west division and it's gonna be nice to see everyone again and um but it's also going to be uh it's not so nice experiencing april baseball again <laughs>
1: Sure, sure. I always thought like having a full time job in short season would be nice. Um, I interned for the Williamsport Crosscutters in the mm. in the um, uh, what league is that in the, <laughs> the New York New, Penn, the, yeah. the New York Penn League and um, yeah it was just so nice like our first game like opening day was June fifteenth and like. Yeah, it was just thirty-five home games, and it was it was really nice. I always thought it'd be nice to work full time in short season.
0: Yeah, and I would I would have liked that, and uh, you know, what I kind of did in Orem was I would go out there the first week of June, and uh, it was kind of nice. I'd stay with the host family, and uh-huh. uh, and usually right when the season ended, I was uh, free to go home, and uh, you know that it was, it was nice one way, but also at the same time you have to find an off season job, and you know, I was doing. Uh, college basketball and right. in, in, in Iowa, and uh, and working campus security on the side, uh, just to you know make money. I kind of wanted a a brainless job to just kind of <laughs> go along with with everything else. So um, you know that that was the tough part is finding that off season job. It's it's kind of nice to be back mm-hmm. full time and um, you know not having to not having to go through the whole thing of of trying to find some part time work or full time work in the off season, but just going into the same office every day. Uh, it's nice to be back full-time, and especially back in full season.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I know the Midwest League is glad to have you back. Uh, can you go into a little bit of detail as to what's going on at Orem? Uh, I mean, I've read what's on Ballpark Digest, and they had an agreement in place to move the team to Pueblo, Colorado, and now there are rumors about them moving to Edmonton, Canada?
0: Yeah, I don't know too much. I wasn't in, in the know. I know, obviously, we released a press release about moving to Pueblo, and things kind of fell through, and I think we're staying in Orem. Okay. Or they're staying in Orem right now, which is, is cool. I really don't know where the Edmonton thing came from. That that was before my second season there, and that I don't think that had any weight at all because I don't think it was uh, uh, feasible in terms of the league footprint to do that, right. uh, especially with the way Major League Baseball is trying to – cut down on minor league travel but mm-hmm. um you know yeah it was it was a tough time because during the season i have to answer questions or, are you guys leaving all this other stuff and you kind of just say, I, I don't really know and i'm happy that they're they're in orem because there's so many great people in orem and uh, they love the owls they have a long history there of when the team was in provo just down the street and then moved to orem um so uh it's such a great place and uh yeah it's it's a difficult spot right now with the way the pioneer league is because in in that division, the South, it was it was easy before because you had Ogden, Idaho Falls, mm-hmm. Grand Junction, Orem, and the longest trip for Orem was three hours. And oh, wow. now you had Helena moved to um, Colorado Springs to become the Rocky Mountain Vibes, and that created for Orem and Ogden an eight to nine hour trip inside your own division. Oh, so you wow. had yeah, so you had to put in built off days, travel days, in your division schedule, because Idaho Falls moved to the North Division, which is only three hours from Orem. Mm-hmm. So, it was it was tough, and I think you're seeing a situation now in the Pioneer League of maybe shifting a little bit in terms of the geography of the league. Sure. And so, I think maybe that's where that came into, but, you know, things fell through, and uh, they're staying in Orem, and at least for right now, so that's, that's, that's good, because uh, Orem is a place that is special to me, and I want to go back and visit. I love that place, so absolutely.
1: I've never gotten a chance to go out <laughs> there, but everybody says it's beautiful.
0: Um, uh, yeah it's it's unbelievable. Utah there's different parts of Utah, you know that Orem Salt Lake area is kind of high desert, then you got the actual desert in the south where you know St. George's and Zion National Park where it gets mm-hmm. to about hundred and ten every day in the summer. Oh but, wow uh, yeah it's it's amazing. It doesn't rain much I two years there. Two seasons there, I never touched the tarp. So that, that's always. Oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> wow. I can't believe yeah.
0: that. It was, I mean, even when it rained, they let it rain because it's so dry. The field and needed a lot of it. Times, yeah. And a lot of times the storms there, they're so quick. It just lasts a couple of minutes. So by the time you get the tarp out, it could be over. And uh, it gets so windy before it storms there that it's just also dangerous. So. Yeah, in two seasons, I never touched the tarp. We never moved it, and uh, we had only had one game affected by rain So wow. at home. At home. So, yeah, I, that, I can't that was even a plus. fathom
1: that, honestly. Can't even fathom Yeah, it, it,
0: it was unbelievable, and uh, I was spoiled because uh, now I'm back in the Midwest League. I'll be touching the tarp a lot yeah. this year. So. Yes, yes <laughs> Compared you Compared to the last two years. Yes, yeah. you will.
1: Uh, side note, Rocky Mountain Vibes, great logo
0: oh yes toasty the mascot he's a giant uh, marshmallow or a giant s'more
1: i think that goes um, <laughs> hand in hand with colorado as a whole
0: yeah <laughs> yeah no they did a lot of great things and it was tough for them because they're going from triple a to rookie ball and you're yeah. so accustomed to seeing the quality of play of former big leaguers and future big leaguers mm-hmm. who are one step away um and they go down to do rookie ball and i thought they did an outstanding job in terms of acclimating their fans to it and uh uh, they did well in terms of the attendance and i always liked visiting there especially a classic triple a ballpark and uh right. yeah they did a nice job and the colors and the, the logo you know one regret i wanted to get a picture with toasty the mascot and i never did and oh. i know one day we showed up at the ballpark early and he was doing a photo shoot how <laughs> popular that name was and a team name i think he was doing a photo shoot i think it was for espn or sports illustrated really? so that's how that's how popular their rebrand okay. rebrand was last year
1: Gotta love that. Uh, yeah it was cool yeah uh, so you're you're back in the midwest League um with a smaller front office staff um that you and I are both familiar with. Uh, can you go into detail about your duties during the season and during the off season? I know you just rejoined um, you know you joined Clinton here what a, a, like six months ago, maybe
0: no, I started uh, second week of January, okay. So. Yeah, recently. So, yeah, um, you know, my my job in the off season, I handle doing sales, um, which I kind of got a late jump on, just starting. Yeah, the first week of January, and um, and then a lot of my off season work consists of uh, updating the media guide, um, getting the program ready, magnet schedule, pocket schedule, you know, poster schedule, uh, all that stuff. And well, right now, it consists of trying to learn a whole new website mm. set up for MLB. I know. All the other people out there,
1: I don't miss that. Uh, at all. that are
0: have my job are extremely happy about that. But yeah. uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's getting that stuff ready, and um, right now, it's starting to get commercials ready, and and then during the season, obviously, it's uh, my broadcast work and the media relations work, and I also handle the player appearances, which is what I did in Burlington, and the uh, uh, calendar's starting to fill up on that, and so a lot of the same stuff I was doing in, in Burlington so it's kind of trying to remember the stuff I was doing two years ago before I went to Orem so uh, basically a lot of the same stuff and um, you know with a small front office you've, you've got to do a lot of different things which mm-hmm. it can be can be frustrating at times but it's also good for good for your resume because you get experience doing so many things in different areas and different roles
1: absolutely uh, what's the hardest part about selling advertising in a town like Clinton
0: I say the, the toughest part about it is is kind of a lot of the businesses that teams and small towns are dealing with they've been dealing with them for a long time mm-hmm.
1: so
0: there might be less new businesses out there in a, in a small town but it's also you're the new guy in town so a lot of these people are used to dealing with other people and uh right yeah you know you're it takes a while to kind of build those relationships and especially if you're going in cold and cold calling businesses and yeah. they don't know who you are and you just join the team and you know, that, that could be that could be difficult. So there's a lot of different challenges in a small town, but I also think it might be a little easier in, in some regards because in a lot of small towns you're the only the only attraction maybe in terms sure. of advertisements. So there's less places to spend your advertising dollar, which I think can help can help the baseball team and help you as a salesman as well.
1: Right, right. I I know like when I was in Beloit, the hardest thing I had to do as far as advertising sales went was trying to raise prices on people that have had the yes. same same thing for 30 years and they've been paying the same price the whole time and then when you want to go up like 10 percent or something like that they flip their lid
0: yeah yeah and and the, you call them and yeah as you mentioned they've had their they've had the the price kind of locked in and you're trying to upsell them a little bit. Mm -hmm. But the first thing they hit you with is I'll just do what I did last year. And you're like, okay, can we interest you? And I'll just do what I did last year. Okay. All right.
1: Right. And you don't, you don't want to piss them off too much because (laughs) you still want their money. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I mean at, at the bottom, at the end of the day, I guess you're, you're just trying to at least, you know, keep the revenue you had last year. So even if you're, you know, have a, a business that's been paying six hundred dollars for the same thing every every year for the last ten years—you know—you're you're still getting that in, even if it's less than maybe what a new customer will be paying. Sure. So, yep. you know, it, it all equals out.
1: Right, right. Um, you and I have both worked for a lot of small front office staffs, like mm-hmm. I said before. Uh, what are some of the struggles of that? And Some of the best parts, like like in Beloit, my last year there, we consistently pulled tarp with four or five people.
0: I'd say that one right there, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the tarp pulls during the day, not when like the, the, the game day staff there, because that's the easiest part. Right, in game right. tarp pulls are the easiest, well, especially for me being on the radio because I usually don't have to do the in game
1: mm-hmm. tarp
0: pulls, but uh, yeah, stuff like that. Um, and kind of, I would say, off season projects like I'm, I'm talking about kind of those october november projects i remember in burlington all front office we we all worked and we all repainted and renovated the clubhouses mm-hmm. um i tell you my four years in burlington i learned how to paint uh <laughs> so i've become pretty good at that and uh so yeah stuff like that it's 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 a struggle because especially when i think you first get a Meyer league job and, you, and you're you're first into. Broadcasting, you think, all right, I'm just broadcasting. You know, that's that's what you want to do. And mm-hmm. then you, and you slowly realize that if I want to call games on the radio, I've got to do a lot of little other things uh, for the front office. And it's just all part of the job. And I like it now, you know. You know this is the season number seven for me as a number one as a director of broadcast and media relations and yeah. I know that that's my title but I can have about four or five other lines on my business card of stuff to do and right um, I like it I mean it's, it's it's it gives you a lot of experience in other areas because you know I might not be broadcasting baseball forever but I'll always have experience doing doing other things that I can lend a hand to to other teams and so it, it, it does a nice job in terms of Building experience in different areas, working in a small front office.
1: Yep, you're absolutely right. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, I didn't put this on the outline that I sent you, but uh, what was it like working for uh, one of the one of the few women GMs in Burlington?
0: Yeah, so uh, Kim was actually the AGM my last year in Burlington. She took okay. over um, after I went to Orem, but. Uh, she's awesome. I, I think she's doing a great job in Burlington, and you know she grew up in it. Her her father Chuck was um, my boss and a GM there for a long time, and uh, yeah, um, Chuck's a great she's guy. Great, great Yeah, guy. Chuck. Um, so yeah, she she's great at what she does, and there was no doubt in my mind when I was working for Burlington that when she was going to take over, she would do an outstanding job because she's that's all she's known in terms of growing up around it. Yeah. Sure. Working in it since probably she was in high school, and um, yeah, so uh, she's awesome and uh, um, done a great job in Burlington, and I think that's great that there's another uh, female GM, especially in the Midwest League, and yeah, she's knocking out of the park. So I'm happy for her.
1: Right, right. All I've heard is is good things about her. Honestly, um, yeah, and it's
0: cool because you got the in baseball in general and um, in sports, you're seeing more women um, start to. Um, to take bigger roles and I think that's awesome because it's it's not it shouldn't be a a male dominated industry because I mean both male and women can add so much to the game and uh, you're seeing it in terms of minor league um, you know staffs in terms of scouting and everything else so Mm
1: -hmm. you know I
0: think it's great you know the the female broadcasters in in minor league baseball do a great job and so it's it's awesome to see uh, more women start to start to join baseball and, and work in minor league front offices
1: yeah I totally agree. I kind of wish at this point in my career that I would have had more experience working with women uh because I went from working with all men base almost my entire career now, like now there were there were some women like sprinkled in there but um now I work with all women I'm the only man yep. in the office <laughs> and it is a struggle for me not to want to cuss or say something you know, that I shouldn't in the presence yeah. of women, <laughs> but that's, yeah. you know, that's part of working in minor league baseball is like, you just kind of let it fly. And I was just so used to that for so long.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's cool to see. And, uh, I'm happy because there's so many women deserving of, of working in this profession. I'm happy that they're, they're getting opportunities now that they fully deserve. And they're, you know, they're so good at their jobs and, you know, talking like Kim and Burlington, um, you know, I remember she was. I think this year was the Rawlings uh, uh, Women Executive of the Year. I yeah. think throughout the award was, but I know she won it a few years ago too. And so, uh, it's cool that there's. It's more diversity in minor league baseball. I know Pat O'Connor, the minor league baseball president, you know, has been pushing that, and it's awesome to see. So, really exciting times, I think, for our industry.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you and I have talked about it before. But kind of just go into it and tell the listeners what it was like to work in the Alaskan Baseball League. It sounded so awesome when you when you were explaining it to me in Beloit.
0: Yeah, that that was fun. So that was my that was before my junior year of college or well, one of my junior years. I was there long enough. Um but uh I just got done with my intern year with the Cedar Rapids Colonels. I was a number two broadcaster. I kind of did it backwards. Because um, I was going to a junior college in Cedar Rapids, and just kind of latched down there, and okay. um, was lucky enough. So the next year, I was kind of looking again in the summer college ball, and you know, being a, on the air every game and opportunity camp in Alaska. I don't really remember. I think I was just cold emailing GMs um, in every summer league, and I got to talking with a few teams. I know I was talking with a team in the West Coast League and some others, and then Alaska emailed me back, and um, Pete, the GM there at the time, said, "Oh, usually." usually it's been getting two guys from Syracuse the last few years, but we can look, you know, elsewhere. And I think, you know, it's kind of, they were getting guys from Syracuse and, uh, being recommended. And I don't think they had anyone that year. So I started talking to him and me and another kid, uh, Matt Dudas, who, um, spent some time in minor league baseball as well. Um, he went to Millersville, Pennsylvania. And, um, so we were the two broadcasters for the minors and, um, we went out there and I kind of looked at it as not only for baseball but for a, a cool summer vacation because when sure. would I ever get the chance to go to Alaska. Right. And so yeah, we went out there and uh broadcasted the whole season with the Matsu Miners. It was a, it was a fun experience because uh Matsu is in Palmer, the Matsu Valley there. Okay. Uh, kind of near uh about an hour north of Anchorage, so it does get dark, but it doesn't get dark till about three or four a.m. and only for about two hours. Wow! In the summer, so it was cool because we'd get done with games at um, you know ten o'clock and leave the ballpark at ten thirty, and the GM and his wife would have um, all the team and broadcaster and staff over to their house, and we have dinner. It was every home game, so we're wow. eating dinner at eleven at night and out playing, you know, throwing the football around. It's sunlight. And, uh, so that was Nate. And, uh, Matt, my broadcast partner was on the golf team at Millersville. So mm-hmm. he's a really good golfer. And so I'd tag along, we go golfing and we went golfing at midnight one night and Palmer and the sun was out. And, wow! Uh, it was, it was pretty cool. It was a amazing experience. We got to go hike a glacier on the team off day. And, um, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of cool, I should say a lot of good broadcasters who have Kind of had the same experience with the MatSU Miners. I know Emma in Lexington was there. Okay. Um, Kevin Kevin Brown was there for a while. Mm-hmm. There's a few others. Um, Kevin Peel was there. So there's a lot of us who are now in minor league baseball or have worked in minor league baseball that were with the MatSU Miners who probably experienced the same thing I have. And yeah, it was it was fun, and uh, it was definitely a summer I'll never forget.
1: Wow, it sounds like a really amazing experience
0: yeah it was it was cool that was a that was a cool summer and uh um, yeah going to see uh, you know the different national parks up there and uh yeah that was that was neat and I almost remember all of the other stuff more than I remember the baseball stuff in that summer
1: sure sure I can certainly understand that We'll be right back with Michael right after this break. What are your thoughts about the proposal to downsize MILB? That would certainly include a few of the teams that you have worked for in the past and currently, right, Michael?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a, a horrible idea and uh, a short-sighted idea. And you know, there's you know, there's different reports out there of what's happening now, and I know mm-hmm. Congress is getting involved and um, some other stuff. It, it, you're taking teams out of cities that are the major economic lifeline of some of these cities. And I think that's, you know, they can say, oh, we're not eliminating baseball totally from there, but you're, you're taking away, if it's it's a full season team, you're taking away 70 nights a year Mm -hmm. or, and not just that, you're taking away, you know, other days of, of businesses around the ballpark or teams that are visiting that town, players spending money in the town players, you know, from your home team, spending money in the town, so yep. it's just gonna it's gonna hurt cities economically, and and I think maybe you know a way of paying the players less, or or a way of saying they're gonna pay players more by getting rid of the amount of players they have when you know they they could possibly or more than certainly pay players more and keep the number of players that they have the same. So you know it's it's kind of whatever and you just wait and you're hoping for good news and it's just it's it's tough when you're working and kind of working under that cloud but right just kind of keep your head down and keep at it and uh you're hoping that it doesn't affect the cities in this country that rely on minor league baseball team you know i've worked for three of those teams mm-hmm. um, now clinton orem and and burlington so I'd, I'd hate to see any of them go and that goes for all those teams on the list so it's right. cool though that Uh, Those teams and those cities are getting support from not only the House but the Senate and Mm -hmm. uh, mayors and governors and right. It's it's neat and there's a if anyone wants like kind of a reference to what's going on maybe not to the scale that it is. There's a book from 1990 uh, called The Waterloo Diamonds. Mm. It was a Midwest League team. Um, That was the last real war between MLB and MiLB. Okay, and in terms of in terms of the PBA and that book goes into great detail on the struggles that happened back then. So if anyone's looking for kind of a historical reference, I'd recommend that book. I read it not too long ago and it's kind of helped me understand a little bit what's going on, even though that book is now about 30 years old. But, um, so I thought I'd put that out there if anyone's up for some reading, but yeah, Mm. it's just a, a tough situation. and I'm praying that, it kind of all gets resolved and we don't lose any teams.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a good read, uh, but I I just think like you know, w- what would happen to a city like Clinton or Burlington or Beloit or Williamsport or Orem or Hagerstown or, you know, there's a bunch of teams that we can name, like what would happen to those cities if there wasn't minor league baseball there anymore?
0: Yeah, I it's kind of scary to think about, yeah. um, especially you're talking about, you know, small cities. I mean, Burlington and Clinton are kind of the same size, about twenty six, twenty seven thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, not too sure about a lot of those eastern cities though, are under 100,000. So
1: right.
0: um, cities that are relying totally on their baseball team to bring in economic value to the city. That's it's scary to think what will happen if those teams don't exist in some uh, form because, you know, it's just a lot of lost business. And you've seen what lost business does to a lot of cities around the country in Mm -hmm. terms of what happened in the automotive industry. So um, yeah, it's scary. And um, that's probably the biggest thing of it there. You just worry about what happens to to these towns when they've had something this long that they can, you know, kind of rely on. And then all of a Mm -hmm. sudden, a a billion dollar industry kind of takes it away. It's uh, a little frustrating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping for the best as well. Um, obviously don't want to see cities cities like that that are dependent on their minor league baseball teams to lose them. Um, so you travel with the team. Mm-hmm. Where's your favorite place to travel to in the Midwest League?
0: You know, favorite place, and I think this is just because I'm from that area. I love going to Beloit because I get it's... to stay at my parents' house. Uh, so when we go there, a lot of times I'll drive um, and I'll spend the whole weekend at my parents' house or the whole series and they live about 40 minutes from the stadium. So, um, there, but also I love going to Appleton. Okay. Um, I love, I love that city and, uh, stadium food is incredible. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, (laughs) so I don't really, I like them all to be honest. So it's tough, but. I would say in the Midwest League those two um in uh in the Pioneer League I loved going to Idaho Falls. Okay. Um, so uh yeah the but yeah in the Midwest League it's it's Beloit just cuz I get to get to sleep in my childhood bedroom.
1: I can respect that. Uh <laughs> where's where's the your worst favorite place to go in the Midwest League?
0: You know I I told uh I told Nate believe of this uh <laughs> last Uh, last week because i kind of got answered the same question on a a radio show a morning show here in clinton okay it has to be peoria because (laughs) i think i can count on on two hands how many wins i've called for for my teams in peoria and it feels like every time we go there we get walked off okay so (laughs) i think uh i gotta say peoria for that one just because every time i broadcast there seems to seems to lose there
1: all right, all right. I can. I totally get that. Nate's gonna come on at some point. He Facebook messaged <laughs> me and said that he listened to the episode with Joe and he and yep. he liked it and he wants to come on at some point. So I'm gonna be in talks with Nathan Beliva about coming on. Um, yeah, you can
0: tell him. I said I don't like going there because I always always call losses there for my team. I certainly <laughs> will tell him that. Awesome. Uh,
1: uh, what's your favorite concession food item in the Midwest League?
0: I think it's it's a lot of broadcasters' favorite one. It's a snappy burger. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, that one right there. All the cheese. I mean, it's got to be a snappy burger, mm-hmm. uh, or well, now it's my home ballpark, but the garbage pail here in Clinton is a pretty good <laughs> one too. Um.
1: Joe Brand said that his favorite was the Snappy Burger. But he also I said
0: respect, Joe.
1: But he also said Beloit was his least favorite place to go
0: in the Midwest. <laughs> which oh, that's that's also his only commuter too. Yeah, so I mean that's fair. <laughs> I understand. Um
1: can you go into what's in the garbage pail? I've had it once, but I forget what, what's in it. I know it's a bunch of fried food.
0: Yeah, so it's all our fried food. Um I think it's like, you know, onion rings, mini tacos, mini corn dogs, uh Chicken strips, uh, I forgot what else, but it's all into one, and I'm pretty sure the calorie count is about four days worth. Yeah, but um, I used to have I used to limit myself to one a year when I was at Burlington. We'd come to town, I'd be like, "All right, I'm going to have one garbage pail a season."
1: Okay,
0: so I'm going to have to really watch myself this (laughs) year with being here seventy games a year.
1: Yeah, I. Don't remember exactly what's on the menu in Clinton, but I remember there's not a lot of uh, options as far as watching your weight and health (laughs) and stuff like that. Am I correct in saying that?
0: Yeah, it's hard to, uh, I think a lot of places it's hard in minor league baseball if you work in it to watch your waistline. Uh, One trick I've been uh, lucky or um, been trying and been successful with it it's all relative in terms of successful. But mm-hmm. uh um just ordering the chicken sandwich and just eating it without the without the bread. That's probably your most healthy option. Okay. I know um I think King County does a turkey burger.
1: Okay.
0: I believe as long I mean it's been two years, but uh I think they do a turkey burger. I know in, in the Pioneer League, Missoula did um did like a a vegetarian burger or whatever that was pretty good. So okay. there's there's mm-hmm. certain ways, but yeah, it's so hard to yeah. wash your weight. I, I always tell people I gain weight during the season and then just try to lose it in the off seat. Yeah, that's so it's, what it's I've kind inevitable.
1: That's always what I've tried to do too. Uh, so yeah. I'm ho- I'm hoping being out of the game will help me a little bit in that yeah. aspect. Um, when I was in Beloit, I you know people kept on complaining that there was nothing healthy on the menu. So I did get <laughs> turkey burgers, and okay. I thought they were delicious. Right, I love turkey burgers. Um, yeah, but i ordered one box of them and it took the whole season to go through so no one was buying them exactly people say they want healthy things at the ballpark but they don't really mean it
0: yeah i mean you're at the ballpark and you're drinking a beer you're not really thinking you know okay i'm already drinking a beer i might as well get a regular burger
1: right at that point yeah you're absolutely right um you like to play video games
0: right I do yes. All right. Uh, These are what my off time consists of. All
1: right. I I knew that uh, from from us talking years before, and then I also read it on your Clinton um, bio <laughs> on the website. <laughs> that's my
0: standard. Yeah, that's my standard. What do you do when you're not at the ballpark? Sleep and play video games. Yeah.
1: <laughs> are you excited that MLB The Show is going to include full minor league rosters and teams?
0: I am. Yeah, and I, I've always kind of been able to play. You know, you've got that uh those websites that kinda have people create the minor League roster. So mm-hmm. I've always been able to at least download, but it'll be cool to have the actual attributes and maybe the players' faces on there and stuff like that. So it's a nice touch, I think what is triple A and double A, I think, right? Yeah. Is that what they're doing? Yeah. yeah well so, I thought they um, were
1: go- I thought they were going into low A and everything now.
0: I thought I read that it was just triple A double A, maybe high because I know Okay. Um but um. Yeah. Is it out yet? I haven't even noticed.
1: I, I couldn't tell you, honestly. I'm not, See, I'm not I, huge into video games
0: anymore. Yeah, during the season, I, I hardly touch my PlayStation. I, what I play a lot on the bus is a game called Double OTP. Okay. Uh, it's a full baseball sim computer game, and you have control over the whole... Your whole organization, and it's got all the minor league players, everything, and you run the whole organization and every aspect. And it's pretty okay, in depth, sure. and it's a lot. But I play that game quite a bit, um, so I play okay. more of those kind of games during the season. But yeah, I never, I don't get to play the show much, just because of the how when the game comes out, it's my busy time, and then right. in the off season, FIFA comes out. And, I'll play FIFA all day every day. So <laughs> Yeah.
1: I used to be really into FIFA, but then um, I'm just so cheap that when they started charging to play online, that's when I quit. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I don't play online too much because I'm 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 a horrible video game player in that aspect Or if okay. I play real people I'll lose. But right. if I'm doing stuff like double O T P or strategy games, I, I can have more fun with that. Okay.
1: I'll have to look into that game.
0: Yeah, double O T P and they make that one, and they make a hockey one. Oh. Um, so it, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's so in-depth. You, you hire your minor league coaching staffs and stuff like that. It's, it's crazy. Oh, wow. You set scouting budgets, and yeah, it's it's insane.
1: Huh. Very interesting. Uh, speaking of somebody that has ran MILB social media, <laughs> what is the weirdest or funniest message or comment that you've seen on a team's social media account?
0: Outside of the usual when are your tryouts, um, <laughs> I would have to say one of the years in Burlington, it was the next morning and I woke up and I'm getting ready to go on the ballpark it's super early. And I look on my phone and I'll log on to Facebook and it shows me, you know, it gives me notifications for the bees page, which mm-hmm. I was running. We had an angry message on there from um, a relative of a kid that just got released oh, yeah. and was mad at us. Or uh, the player getting released, and yep. I just I just kind of let it. Didn't even didn't even touch it. I was like, I'm not even answering this. Like, yeah, we sorry, we had nothing to do with this that that one. And yeah, the the usual tryout ones always always make me laugh. I kind of just want to say, I just want to put on a fake tryout sometime to see what would show up.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty funny actually. But yeah, the tryout thing, I think every team gets. Um, when we had a major leaguer uh, rehab with us here in Delmarva, um, he didn't sign autographs. And he's, okay. he's a big-time big leaguer. Um, and people, the amount of messages and comments complaining that he didn't sign autographs was overwhelming, honestly. Um, so that was something. And then in Beloit... Okay we used to get this guy that would always message us and ask for pictures of the inside of Snappy's costume. <laughs> That's pretty creepy.
0: For for what? I, Actually, I don't I
1: know. know. <laughs> I, I think he was trying to replicate it or something like that. Okay. But like, I just didn't message him because it was super creepy.
0: Yeah. I remember when I was in the Northwoods League in college and I ran the social media for that. And I would post on Facebook and Twitter before I'd post the game story, I'd just post a quick, like, what happened in the game score, but it would always start mm-hmm. with a headline. And I think we lost, like, we lost all the time that year. We were the worst team in the league. So yeah. I was constantly trying to figure out different synonyms for losing, you know, right. in terms of beaten, well, you know, defeated. And there was this guy, an older guy, who would comment on everyone saying, you need to find more words for loss. And, and I'd use the words, like, you used that two days ago. And I was, oh, my God. <laughs> and so so by the end of the summer, it was just a joke. I just started using the same word yeah. every time just to, just to irritate them. <laughs> um, yeah, social media is, I'll tell you, it's, a, it's an interesting place, especially when you're you know, you're posting for, for your team and you're dealing with the public. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, I mean, it's great in the aspect that you can tell everybody what's going on in you know in a couple different places but then you get uh you know people that don't have lives that want to uh <laughs> want to say that you lo- like the same word yeah. for lose every time
0: yeah he, he would always get mad when i said honkers were downed by whatever and you're like use you used oh, that word God. two days ago wow yeah. goodness gracious <laughs> um
1: where can our listeners find you on twitter
0: uh, it's M-P-Brosco, B-R-O-S-K-O. Um, I will warn you, I tweet about professional wrestling, so it's kind of nerdy right there. But, uh, um, yeah, that's where you can find me at uh, on Twitter, uh, at M-P-Brosco. So I don't think I tweet about too many interesting things, except for I tweet a lot about the Milwaukee Bucks, so that can be probably annoying, but that's what the mute button's for.
1: Hey, uh, we'll see you in the Eastern Conference Finals.
0: So, yeah, I don't know. I'm about the. Probably losing our third in a row tonight with all our injuries. Well, we have.
1: I mean, the Sixers have a ton of injuries too. I mean, Simmons and Embiid are both out for a decent amount of time. Actually, Embiid might might be coming back here soon. But
0: yeah, well, they've yeah. had some good games against each other this year, so that would be a fun series. Yeah, if I we're going to get it last year. I thought you guys were going to beat the Raptors. But, I know. I, well, uh, we couldn't do well, it either.
1: Man, I was I was in a bar and just Kawhi Leonard made that fadeaway shot and I was yeah I couldn't have been more pissed off in my entire life.
0: But yeah, we were we were up two oh on the Raptors and I lost four in a row. That was a story of a Milwaukee sports fan right there.
1: Yep, <laughs> yep. Um what's your favorite player's walk up or warm up song over your baseball
0: career? One that you're probably quite familiar with. Ooh. Uh Joe Benny. Oh. Coming up to uh, Benny and the Jets. Yes,
1: that I was mean, good. You can't
0: get any more perfect than that. Uh, that one, um, for two of my years in Burlington, we had Trevor Gretzky, uh, Wayne's, Wayne yeah. Gretzky's son, and he would always have the most interesting walk-up songs. And one season, he used, uh, uh, what's that song that they covered in, um, oh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Okay. So he'd come up to Total Eclipse of the Heart, but every time he came up, I'd always think of the Dan Band's version from old school. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh huh. But he would always come up to that. Uh, that was probably my favorite. And then Orem, uh, Francisco Del Valle would come up to Triple H's song from oh, nice. wrestling. So uh, those are probably my favorites. But yeah, that, that uh, Benny and the Jets one, Joe Benny for the Beloit Snappers, was that was probably one of the best in the Midwest League in a long time.
1: Shout out to Joe Benny. He's uh, married and living in Beloit
0: now. Oh, is
1: he? Yeah. So. He um he married one of the promo girls.
0: Okay. Yeah. He, well, he had the uh, the best the best walk up song that year. I mean, yeah. He, it, you almost had to, Joe Benny, Benny and the Jets. Yeah. I mean, you had. He to.
1: he had to do it. You're you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joe Joe Benny, um yeah. I just I just I saw him in a bar in Beloit in like January before I left, and I was like, Hey, dude, what are you doing here? He's like, Oh, I live here now.
0: That's kind of cool, especially in the smaller towns, seeing how many um, players or coaches stay behind. I remember in Burlington, a former Cubs pitcher, Derek Patello, he was uh, a pitching coach for Burlington back when they were a Reds affiliate in the late 90s. -hmm. Uh, I think he played two seasons with the Cubs, was a relief pitcher, and um, met met his wife there, and so he was coaching in the Marlins system but he yeah. still spent his off seasons living in Burlington. So I'd see him at the YMCA. And then oh, wow. when I was working for the bees, he'd come in to the office in February and he would use our batting tunnel to get his arm in shape for throwing BP before spring training.
1: Okay, So
0: it's just kind of cool to, to learn about um, the former players that are living in town and working, doing stuff for athletics with Southeastern community college. We always have had uh, a Cordero on a team and his, their dad played for I think the Burlington uh, I think when they were the Braves maybe but okay. um, stayed in town and uh, got married as a family and so it's always kind of kind of cool to see what those guys do uh, after baseball and where their lives take them. That was a good talk catching up from those uh, summer nights in that boy press box.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. Well I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on and I hope you can be a recurring guest and and just trying to get uh, the Pulling Tar podcast on the map. Um, tell tell everybody you know.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We listen and put in the Clinton office. I was telling you before we did, uh, started recording here that we kind of uh, Tyler Omen and I will put on some some podcasts and in, in the in the morning when we're just kind of sitting there working and we'll, we put yours on. I think we listened to Joe's uh, Joe Brands. Okay. Tim's. So it was. Uh, yeah. Um, definitely getting the word out there, and I'll put out retweets when you release new episodes. So definitely, it's, a, it's an awesome idea. I like it. All
1: right. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate
0: it. Stoveleg Media. Igniting Conversation.